How's it going? This is Hub, and it is my duty and honor to welcome you back to another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. How's it going? I'm going to assume you said great, and that's wonderful to hear. Got a kind of lukewarm review on iTunes the other day. Made me a little bit sad. Although, I liked that it called me hilarious. That's always nice. And it said me and Corey have pretty good banter. That's pretty good. But then it said that, with apparently no rhyme or reason, I would sometimes mention my political views and perhaps childishly mock someone who I disagreed with politically. Now, I'm sorry that the person who listened to that doesn't like it when I do that, but I childishly mock a lot of things on this. And if you've been able to find rhyme or reason in any of my rants, Okay, rhyme. There is the synopsis rhyme. And there are probably maybe some inadvertent rhymes that happen throughout it, which, my fault, I should punctuate all of those by pointing out that I am a poet and that I was previously unaware of that fact. Yeah, I'm going to talk about politics some, because it comes up and it's part of pop culture. And, yeah, what can you do? If it makes you feel any better, I'll also childishly mock and make fun of the metal band Venom. I, I like doing that. And, you know, truth be told, I also think Venom's great. I just think their between-song banter is hilarious. And if you guys haven't listened to it, you should totally... It's somewhere out there on the internet where you can just listen to all of the between-music banter from a Venom concert. And, oh my lord, it is awful. And it also makes more sense than a certain political candidate's recent speeches. Boom! Way to bring it all back home, me and my stupid brain. So, if you guys want to go onto iTunes and leave me a good review and say you like it when I childishly make fun of political candidates and other things, and that, you know, there are some rhymes and little reason to the podcast, I would appreciate it if we could, uh, you know, get that uh, star rating back up there. It also feels really dumb of me to point out a negative review that we got. That seems kind of childish to me. But... That's also not going to stop me from doing it. Anyway, time to get into the real childish banter of this podcast. The competitive adulteress said, Hester Prynne, top this. You get a scarlet B- for the synopsis. Synopsis. I can't blame that one on anybody but myself. Teen Titans, number 52, December 1977. When Titans Clash. Written by Bob Rosakis, drotted by Don Heck, with inks by Bob Smith. Teen Titan Roll Call. Aqualad, Kid Flash, Robin, Wonder Girl, Speedy, Beast Boy, Hawk, Dove, Lilith, Guardian, Gnark, Harlequin, Bumblebee, Golden Eagle, Bat-Girl. Previously in Teen Titans. Out in California, some asshole named Mr. Espa used a sciency helmet with a Janet Jackson microphone to psychically harness Lilith's previously untapped telekinetic powers. He started trying to make aircraft carriers and buildings fly up into the air, so Batgirl, Lilith, Hawk, Dove, Beast Boy, Golden Eagle, and Gnark teamed up to try to stop them from doing that. Well, mostly Beast Boy and then at the end Lilith, but the rest of the guys did a great job looking busy. Meanwhile, back in Long Island, some jerkwad slash cologne enthusiast named Captain Calamity had been making trains fly into the air and planes burrow underground so that he could rob their respective vehicles' passengers and threaten them with his guns that shoot rays of bad luck that are definitely not hex bolts. Titans didn't much care for that, so they punched and kicked him real good. Then the Harlequin trapped him in a giant placenta made out of bubblegum, and they carted him off to jail. Good riddance. 
Also, Aqualad has been suffering from a mysterious illness, but it turns out to have all been psychosomatic. It seems the Marine Marvel has been passing out and going into comas because he thought he was a lame loser who would never be as cool as Speedy or Teenage Nancy Reagan. So now he's gonna quit the team. Fun fact, that was the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. Also, Wally confesses his amorous intentions towards Donna. She friendzoned the shit out of him, laughed at him, and said she wants to move to California. Harsh. Also, for the third issue in a row, Mal mentions that he misplaced the magic ram's horn that he got after an angel punched him in the dick. But, these personal matters are put on hold for a bit because the Titans just realized that Long Island has started floating off into the ocean. Gadzooks! Will Long Island keep drifting farther away, forever separating a young Method Man from the rest of the Wu-Tang Clan? Will Aqualad get his shit together and realize that he is objectively the best Teen Titan ever? And what happened to Mal's misplaced shofar? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, one, of course not. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Two, uh, sort of, I guess. And three, doesn't come up. Like, ever. Maybe left it on the bus? The group of West Coast teenage heroes show up in the Titans' secret discotheque headquarters on Long Island, and Lilith surprises everyone by announcing that she is responsible for all the weird floating shit that's been going on lately, including the current displacement of Long Island. wonder what you'd call that crime. Land mass napping? Grand, grand, grand larceny? Anyway, seeing as what she means is that her powers were being co-opted by an evil douche lord with a science helmet and a Janet Jackson microphone, she probably shouldn't have led with an apparent admission of guilt. Not surprisingly, Speedy starts acting like a real dick about the whole thing. Then, somewhat surprisingly, everybody starts fighting everybody. It's a real Donnybrook. Speedy and Gnark start going at it. Hawk backhands the shit out of Beast Boy. Bumblebee shoots her butt stinger at Golden Eagle, which is awesome. And everybody else just generally gets all fighty. When Wonder Girl comes in from the other room where she was changing into her costume, she's all like, what the fuck? Chill out, guys. Nobody listens. So she lassos all of them with her magic lariat and commands them all to chill the fuck out. So they do. Hooray. Lilith explains what's going on, and the newly chill Titans decide to split up into three teams. Aqualad, Beast Boy, Kid Flash, Bumblebee, Golden Eagle, and Dove will try to push Long Island back to where it belongs. Despite the fact that that's not how islands work. Lilith, Speedy, Gnark, Hawk, Wonder Girl, and Bumblebee will try to track down the villainous Mr. Esper and get some answers. And Robin, Batgirl, and Harlequin will go to the jail to question Captain Calamity about his involvement. And just to make mitigating the effects of a catastrophic unnatural disaster more fun, they decide to turn it into a bet. The last team back has to buy everyone dinner. <laughs> Those scamps. Meanwhile, Mr. Esper is scoffing at the teen's antics as he muses to himself about his evil scheme. Turns out, his plan is to move Long Island out to the middle of the ocean, declare himself its emperor, earn the respect of the international community with his governing practices, and then slowly take over the rest of the world. Huh. Does he know that there are islands that are already in the middle of the ocean? Maybe he could just take one of those over instead as his first step. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of legal loophole that if you move an island out far enough, then it's up for grabs. Seems like a weird loophole, seeing as, you know, that's not how islands physically work. But then there's a lot about maritime law that I don't understand. Ah, maybe Wolverine could explain it to me someday. I heard somewhere that he knows that shit. As a matter of fact, there's only one thing I know about maritime law, and that's that Aqualad rules. He uses his telepathic commands to order a school of whales to try to push the island back where it belongs. Couple things with that. First of all, as I may have mentioned, I'm pretty sure that's not how islands work. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, it's a pod of whales. 
not a school, not a herd like you called it in, I think it was Brave and the Bold 56. You're Aqualad. I shouldn't have to explain these things to you. Beast Boy changes into a super derpy looking green whale with a shitty haircut and tries to lend a hand, er, Finn, but for some reason they aren't able to push the island back where it belongs. Maybe because that's not how islands work. Meanwhile, Robin, Batgirl, and Harlequin attempt to question Captain Calamity, only to find that he has mysteriously vanished from his jail cell. Hmm. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Lilith-slash-Wonder-Girl-led group of heroes has managed to track Mr. Esper to his lair. Unfortunately, before they get a chance to punch and kick him, he uses his helmet thing and makes them fight each other again. Gnark is about to choke Wonder Girl out when the young Amazon flings the time-displaced cave teen into Lilith, knocking her out. Once Lilith is KO'd, Esper is no longer able to tap into her psychic powers and his hold over both the teen's emotions and the island is broken. The Titans start to approach the now-powerless Esper with punching on their minds, but the would-be Emperor of Long Island pulls a Marty McFly and fades into nothingness. Weird. Suddenly, Aqualad and Beast Boy are able to push the island back into place with no further difficulty despite the fact that that is totally not how islands work. Robin has a hunch that Captain Calamity will be on the Throg's Neck Bridge, so he and his squad head to the Long Island Landmark to confront the catastrophe-causing creep. Hmm, maybe Robin got a psychic message from Two-Face about that, because sure enough, they find the villain right where Robin suspected he'd be, and the Harlequin hits him with a pretty sweet flying forearm, knocking Calamity the fuck out. Hooray! The teens unmask the captain, which I guess nobody bothered to do the first time they captured him, and find out that he is actually Mr. Esper. Aha! Also, huh? Also, how the fuck do they know what Mr. Esper looks like? They haven't seen either of those guys without masks. Later that night, after buying everyone pizza, Robin explains that Calamity was a mental construct of Mr. Esper. That's how Calamity disappeared from his jail cell. Then Esper put on the Calamity costume and created a mental construct of Esper. Wait, what? Robin pretty much cops to the fact that none of this shit makes any sense, but it's over and the bad guy's in jail, so who gives a fuck? Fair enough. Everyone poses for a giant group photo, ostensibly to commemorate the time that Robin bought pizza for 15 people. Dude, your dad's a billionaire. Stop fetching about the fact that you dropped like 60 bucks. Oh, also... I looked it up, and it turns out that a pod of whales can also be called a herd or a school. I'm so sorry. I should have known better than to question the greatest teen titan ever. Shit. Now I'm starting to wonder if maybe that is how islands work after all. Joining us once again is my good for many things, including... Co-partner in a dance party, brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. So, what'd you think? This issue made me laugh, and it raised some serious questions. What questions were those? Well, the, the, the two main ones are, A, Lilith, turns out, is super-duper powerful. Yeah. Like, moving buildings and airplanes and ships. And yeah, so she could just islands. do that shit all along, it turns out. Yeah. So why the fuck didn't she ever do that? And secondly, I don't really understand how the whole... Using her powers, Mr. Esther was able to project himself into another being that had its own separate personality and could do stuff off on its own independently. Well, I think he probably had to use his Janet Jackson microphone for that. Control. Yeah, can the the control dance routine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think he probably had to use that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Yes. There were aspects of this that boggled the mind. 
but in a way, I felt like a lot of it lent some kind of symmetry to the series as a whole. Because this is the last real issue of this lineup of the Teen Titans. The next issue that we get is a retelling of their origin. Oh shit, are we at the end of the... We're at the end. How did this There's... happen? I don't know. Oh. You didn't know? I feel overclumped. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. So here's how I feel on some nice symmetry. First of all, you get a crazy, kind of lame villain that doesn't make any sense, much like we did with Bromstick in the first Titans appearance. <laughs> we also have, similar to the Titans appearance, we have a writer named Bob who does not know how islands work, because in both issues we have <laughs> Aqualad moving islands from place to place. I actually took down a note about that. I was, like, doubting myself. I was like, okay, we've seen this a few times. So <laughs> Maybe this is how islands work. Are they just not connected? No, they're, they're connected probably by a tiny little stalactite like at the bottom. Yeah, the, the, the string, the balloon of an island is attached to the ocean floor on. Yeah, no match was, for was cut. whales. No match for a... Let's see. That's the other thing. What, what does he call them? I, I wrote it down. Because... Much like Bob Haney thought that a group of whales was called a herd of whales. Right, I remember that. Uh-huh. Uh, Bob Rosakis thinks that a group of whales is called a school of whales. Ah, closer. Sort of. Well, there's, there's schools of things that live in the ocean. There's no Yeah, they're called fish. <laughs> I'm just saying it's closer. I'm saying whales aren't fish. Nor are they wildebeest. Is, oh wait, so wildebeest is the first thing you think of that travels in a herd. Yeah. Oh, is that You've not... never heard of cows? Oh, I've heard of all kinds of <laughs> herd animals. But, like, immediately your go-to, a herd of blank, you think wildebeests. Yeah, I saw this documentary on Netflix <laughs> recently. They're pretty awesome. You're not wrong. Thank you. But, yeah, I thought th those, like, those aspects, it's like, ah, oh, it made me kind of nostalgic. Made me, I mean, I knew that it was the last sure. reel of the, the Titans lineup. It also... I like that. I'm going to name some writers, and this is the problem that I had with this story. So, Grant Morrison, mm -hmm. Warren Ellis, mm -hmm. Philip K. Dick, mm -hmm. Bob Rosakis. These motherfuckers need to learn to write a third act. Oh, uh, I see where you're going. Because this story, like, it's got a really kind of cool buildup, and then at the end it's just like, oh, and then a bunch of shit happened and they're done. They took some drugs and yeah, it was weird. exactly. <laughs> if it was a Philip K. Dick book, then it would be like the whole third act would be like, or a Warren Ellis book, or about half a Grant Morrison stuff. And then they all took drugs. Mm -hmm. And then epilogue. <laughs> but, like, yeah, this story, like, I felt like it was just getting going, and then you turn the next page and it says epilogue. <laughs> And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, other than that, I really enjoyed it. I, I probably enjoyed it more rereading it than I did the first time. But it, it was a really fun story. It was and full of laughs. It kind of, it didn't totally pay off. Like, it, there was a lot of build-up to things that didn't make any sense. We never find out why Mr. Esper wanted to get the group of West Coast heroes together. Did we? But, we didn't. No. Not even, like, a nod to... Not even a stupid reason that didn't make sense. Is that a Rosakis thing? Do you think he's just like, he's he was busy and overwhelmed and maybe this was... I don't, I don't know. I think that's part of it. I think I feel like it was just... a lot of these, even the stories that I really like, I feel like they were written without an outline. You mm -hmm. know? It was like, oh, uh, yeah, it was like an exquisite corpse written by one person who didn't remember. Like, maybe he has no memory. Like, maybe he's got that memento disease. Uh... Uh, you know, mem momentitis. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Yeah, he would re- read himself the story, and he would be like, oh, shit, I wonder where I was going with that. Uh, here? But he forgot aspects of it that real, he had set up beforehand. Real Guy Pierce. Yeah. But there was some definitely fun stuff in here, and we get to see, like, some stuff that pays off way later in comics, like Bat-Girl's crush, or Bat-Girl's crush on Robin. Mm-hmm. That becomes kind of a running thing when she becomes Flamebird later. The Harlequin, Harlequin was just like... <laughs> Yeah, she. I, I liked Whatever. the fact that she was like, well, I'm not romantically interested in Robin, but I think this will be funny to watch. Yeah. Like, she was like, I call bullshit. Yeah, sure, she really did, and I, I kind of liked that. Mm-hmm. I like her as a character. I wish that she didn't Have frighten such a me. creepy face. Yeah. That's really the only problem. I'm so shallow. No, it's natural. If people have a creepy face, your, your yeah. natural reaction is just like, yeah. Well, and I mean, she... Gave herself a creepy face on purpose. Yeah, that's a weird thing because there was that one panel we have where she looked kind of like a cute normal person. There was a few panels in that issue where it was like in that one issue, her alter ego was like normal looking cute girl. Yep. That's I just remember the one. And then in previous and subsequent issues, horrifying Nancy Reagan face. Yeah, really scary. Um, Did you want to touch on um, Coco Chanel's gun? Or did we did we get into that last time? Uh, I talked about that last last issue. How I want him to look like Rick, that you I were showing to be me Rick some the model Martell's atomizer. Yeah, I put that videos. in the last podcast. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you should listen to these things, Corey. <laughs> I I usually do, and it's I just I haven't. That's okay. Hmm. Yes, you can't be expected to, you know, listen to every project that I slave over. No, no, I can't. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you're, you're a prolific dude yeah so yeah i don't even know if i want to touch on the whole like captain calamity being mr esper not making any goddamn sense that wasn't just me it didn't make no it didn't make sense. any goddamn sense okay good. like i felt like it was like a not even in a haney didn't make any sense way or and like just a watching like, a moholan drive yeah and you're just like i feel like i'm really close yeah but it actually doesn't no. Add up at the end. No, it does, it does not make... It do, does it? No. Okay. No, it, it makes no logical sense. There's also this thing where, so at the end, Robin unmasks Captain Calamity, and mm-hmm. they see that it's really Mr. Esper. Right. How the fuck did they know what Mr. Esper looked like? These both, dudes both wear the same mask. They've never seen him without his They've mask They've never on. seen either one of them without their mask on, but they can instantly, once the mask comes off, tell it's the same person. Which really fucks with the whole DCU thing of, like, if your eyes are covered, nobody knows what you look like. Yeah. Or, you know, anything. There is some crazy mask magic going on here. Mm -hmm. I honestly think this whole thing may be, like, maybe it is, like, a a giant mystical realism metaphor for something that I don't understand that was happening in the late 70s. But I am much more likely (laughs) to to, to believe that it is just, like... No, this is just some crazy nonsense that doesn't make any sense. This is Philip K. Dick third act shit. Yeah. No, I'm going. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. There's that thing that I really liked at the end. It's a very anticlimactic ending of the actual story before the epilogue. Uh-huh. Where Captain Calamity fires his bad luck guns and makes these ropes that were holding Harlequin up explode. Yep. But all three of them, like Robin, Bad Hyphen Girl, and Captain Calamity... Just expected her to wait for herself to fall, like, gotta be close to, like, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like, once these ropes snap, then she'll just fall. And she's just like, why the fuck did you think I would do that? And she just, like, elbows him in the back of the head. It's a pretty sweet flying elbow. Yeah. No, it was a really nice. This was, I'm going to say this is reminiscent of Rick the Model Martel's old tag team partner, Tito Santana's move, the flying forearm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've got to tap your forearm. Like so, for the flying forearm <laughs> to warm it up, so that every yeah, you remember me doing flying forearms at you, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's just everybody. Yeah, that was You're, a thing for a while. Yeah, that was a thing <laughs> like that I did probably a good what twenty years after after Tito Santana was a thing. Yeah, that's okay. That's when people least expect it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I she I think she says like, what did you just expect me to wait to fall? Mm-hmm. And I think like everybody was just like. Yeah, we we kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did a great job. A lot of heroes did a great job. I actually had some pretty serious competition for Teen Titan of the issue in this mm-hmm. issue because yeah, Joker's too. daughter does that really well. Mm-hmm. And then you got uh, you got your uh, your Wonder Girl does a great job. She lassoes mm-hmm. everybody, makes them stop fighting with their lasso of truth. Now that they're not wearing earplugs, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Aqualad, right? Really. Got to really move those uh, problem. Yeah, move those islands. Uh, Gnark, he's great. He beats. He punches Speedy in the face. I am still kind of pissed off with how Rosakis treats Gnark. Gnark. Yeah, I yeah. liked how he had had his turnaround from caveman to to, to like every day. to Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, basically. I and was... now he's back to Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yeah, but the other one. But so... the other side of the dark Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I wanted the good Kelsey Grammer back, and it's just yeah, I know he's gone now. It's it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's just ham-fisted. Mm. Mm. Like a real Kelsey Grammer. Bad Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, well. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's not split hairs here. I think both Kelsey Grammers have hams for fists. Mm. That's a funny expression. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know I know what you mean. It's an interesting turnaround that they had for, for, for good old Johnny Gnark there. So, what percentage do you think... Cause it was also one of the really fun things that happened in this issue was kind of a free-for-all where all of the Titans fight each other. And I don't think that's really happened yet in the Teen Titans. We got it a little bit when the giant the giant ghost versions of the Titans all fought Robin in the uh, Limbo Gargoyle issue. I think that was uh, issue 14. Oh, that was great. But since then, we really haven't had much of the Titans all fighting each other. And it doesn't happen a ton in here. But it was kind of nice to see... Like, you know, like you would get in any kind of a modern comic book where two heroes meet each other. They inevitably have to have the misunderstanding where they all fight each other. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice to have a big all-teen Titans free-for-all where they all fought each other. And I enjoyed that. What percentage of it do you think was Mr. Esper slash Captain Coco Chanel using his and Lilith's mind control powers to make that happen? And how much of it was just them wanting to have done that for a while now? Probably some of each, but but some of the... First of all, the whole, like, whose abilities are better than other people's abilities thing was thrown out the window. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and second of all, like, some of the stuff made sense. Like, everybody wants to punch Speedy. Right. But some of the stuff didn't make any sense at all. Like, Gnark trying to strangle Wonder Girl with her own lasso, lasso because... He, they've never yeah no they've always trouble. gotten along pretty well yeah so, i mean i think maybe he tried to kill her when he tried to kill everybody when he had his caveman freak out inside the hollow mountain with the uh yeah but that's water under the bridge yeah i mean yeah so i'd say i'd say some of each you know 
I, I kind of get the impression that, like, Mr. Esper was like, ha ha ha, I'll use my powers to make them want to fight each other. And then, like, started to give it a mental push, and then it was just like, oh, I thought I was going to be pushing a Toyota Tricel, and this is a balloon. This was just waiting to pop off. I think certainly some of it. I think some of it Beast was. Boy's reaction was kind of funny, because previously he had been cozying up to Hawk, and then as soon as Hawk, like, as soon as anybody starts fighting, he's like, oh, I'm with the East Coast Teen Titans. I feel like he's got kind of a little brother complex with them, where, like, he resents them, but uh, but then he's like, but but then, you know, maybe we could hang out. Well, Beast Boy also, though, like, didn't he, like, he pushed Dove and then Hawk decked him, like, before the mind control thing? So there's probably some of, like... Yeah, that, there, there is, yeah. Turns out this guy I thought was totally cool is actually a dick. Yeah. And so... Yeah, Hawk... I feel like they all should have just... I think they should just make Hawk and Speedy fight. I know they have a little bit, but, like, yeah. I think they were trying to... It's really weird the way this this particular arc of the book ramps up. Because it's like they're building up to having a Teen Titans East and a Teen Titans West ongoing series. Sure. And you can see the lines they were going to try to maybe break that down over. I think they were teasing Wonder Girl moving to the West Coast and being part of the West Coast team and maybe Beast Boy being part of the East Coast team. Mm-hmm. It's weird because after this issue, there's one more issue and then the series is canceled. I feel like it's kind of a weird power move on Rosakis's part to be like, okay, I know the sales of this book are really bad, but you know what I think would make it sell better? If there were two books. <laughs> and then he kind of put all his eggs in that basket and then they're like, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How about no books? That's entirely plausible. It mm. kind of does make sense, like, though, the having the way that Rosakis's villains have totally nonsensical plans. It's like, oh, he's doing what comes natural there. Is he still alive? Do you know? Yeah, I believe so. I we could look him up and ask him what his game plan was. We should. That would be we cool. We should get in touch with him, because I'm, I'm honestly curious. Because I feel like there's a lot of loose ends dangling, first and foremost of which, I guess Mal just lost his horn? That fucking shofar is out there somewhere, and I don't think it ever gets addressed. I'll never know, but Mal's having a tough go of it in this issue. He gets... He doesn't really do that much. He gets doesn't turned do anything. white. He gets turned white in a panel. Yeah, there's a panel on, I think, page nine, where, yeah, the, he's in his guardian clothes, and he is just colored... As if he is a white person. I know. I was like, is that the Guardian? I think it was the colorist just kind of slipped up. And my guess is at this point in DC Comics, and hell, let's be frank, at pretty much every point in DC Comics, they probably still are using flesh-colored crayons. You know? Like, mm-hmm. it, it is uh, not a particularly diverse organization. And I, I think they probably just had a tube of, like, mm-hmm. flesh-colored paint and... That's what everybody gets, right? And he slipped up in one panel. Yeah, it, but it was weird to see Mal drawn as though he was white. Or colored as though he were white, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he doesn't really get to do a hell of a lot in this issue. Yeah. No. Perhaps as punishment. Maybe they were ramping up to later having a story arc where it's all about him getting his magic shofar back. I fucking hope. Or at least finding out what happens to it. Um, like, but yeah, oh, I left it in the medicine cabinet. Yep. Just have one panel. Have that in the esp- in the epilogue. Just have one like, hey, Karen, I guess I can put on that disco outfit again. Uh, I, found, I found my shofar. Yeah. It was, it was in the couch. Yeah. 
we never get, it seemed like they were at least at some point hinting that there would be a follow-up story where we learn a little bit more about the dude that made those rocket rollers costumes, Brian, and we never get back to that. There's, mm-hmm. I feel like, a lot of loose ends that are just like, yeah, nope, snipped. Yeah, I agree. Um, and mm-hmm. that makes me kind of sad, because I definitely had my issues with it, but there was a lot of fun in the Rosakis run, and overall I really enjoyed it, and I think this three-issue arc was pretty good. I agree. Um, you know, yeah. not ideal, but, but pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. Yeah, one of the things I did want to bring up, too, was Mr. Esper really needs to work on his phrasing. <laughs> Do it to your heart's content. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, there's so there's a scene where Aqualad is urging his pot of whales led by maybe the derpiest looking uh, Beast Boy creature we've seen yet. It's Beast Boy as a killer say, whale. That is saying something. With a giant green toupee. It's not a killer um, whale, it's like one of the flat faced whales. Oh, it's a sperm like, whale. Like a Moby Dick yeah. whale. Yeah, and he calls himself mm-hmm. Moby Beast Boy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Aqualad is saying something like, we just need to do it. And then we cut back to Mr. Esper watching this whole thing unfold. And he's like, yes, Aqualad, do it to your heart's content. It's like he's saying it like it's a pun because he put it in the quotes. Like, mm-hmm. And then the, one of the very next thing he says is, there is no reason for me to pack it in. And he has that in Aaron quotation marks too, pack it in. It's like, is he... Does he think they're filming a porno or something? Is he just being a creep? Like, or? it's just weird phrasing in that he's going out of his way to say things in a awkward, but he gets potentially a, he gets double entendre way. Well, yeah, they, they all punch him. Well, no, and they, then he dialogue-wise, too. Oh. Because not only is he saying people should do it, but then he's oh, yeah. trying to get done, too, as well. Uh, oh, yeah, that's there's that nice... Laugh while you can, mister, because we're going to do it to you. And his, there's a double take drawn in there, and I think he's like, what? <laughs> and he looks kind of horrified. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there's that great exchange where Aqualad's saying, I have to do it, and then... <laughs> do it to your heart's content? No, we'll do it to you. And it's like, bam, bam, bam. Oh, man. It was a really, really fun, really awkward back and forth there. Then there's a couple of things going on with the race. The first Titan team to get back has to buy dinner for all the others. Right. But then when Robin's team, I guess, loses, Robin's like, oh, I have to buy dinner for everybody else. Is that just like chauvinism or is it because he's a billionaire? Maybe a little bit of each, but... Or is it because he still considers himself the team leader because he's like, oh, man, I got to buy dinner for 15 people, which... Wow, that is a good point. That is a lot of Titans in this issue. Mm-hmm. And I bet Ganark can really... Uh, put it down. Put it down. Yeah, he's he can really giant. pack it in. He can really <laughs> do it to his heart's content. Yeah. He can, I, really, he can uh, really address the pizza and say, I'm going to do it to you. Guy can really eat a pizza. Yeah, you really can eat a pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Robin says, he, and he, he makes a point that he wants to take a a photograph of this meal uh, to have a memento of the most expensive dinner he's ever bought. He bought 15 pizzas tops. And he's a fucking billionaire. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just cheap. I guess he's just cheap. Uh, There's like... also a weird thing where, where I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be somebody. I tried to do a little bit of light Google research. Mm-hmm. But he makes a big point of introducing the 
random dude he has take the photograph of all of the Titans. And it's uh, Aaron... I didn't know who took the photo. That's uh... Yeah, no, he, he makes a big point of introducing him, and he's like, I need, to, I need something to remind me of the most expensive dinner party I ever throw. Uh, this is my friend, Aaron Jarrett, who's going to take a picture of us. That is weird. And, yeah, he gets out one of those big old-timey cameras and has everybody take a picture. And in that picture, Gnark looks like a goddamn matinee idol. Yeah, they really changed him to be less cavey. Yeah, it, it, he does not look at all like a caveman. I think they just forgot. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, yeah, he just looks like a generic DC superhero template in that picture. Yeah, he does. It's a nice way to end the issue, though. It was. With a group photo of all 15 of them, it's nice, and it it sets us up for the the retelling of the origin that happens in the next issue. I can't believe this series is coming to an end. So, what Hmm. was your favorite dialogue? There was a lot of goofy things. I wrote down a lot of stuff. We covered some of it with the... In fact, Mr. In, Esper misspeaking, perhaps. And and that was actually one of one of my choices was that <laughs> laugh while you can, Mister, because <laughs> we're going to do it to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. One of my fa- most of the rest of my dialogue comes from the first couple of pages when the Titans are all fighting each other. There's a really nice one where Golden Eagle picks up Kid Flash and says, "Upsie Daisy." Picks him way up, and, and Kid Flash starts giving him static. And then he drops him and says, Downsy Daisy. And I liked that. That's got a good womp yeah. like, sound effect. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I had, I had another one from that same series of fighting. When Lilith has started to try and explain that the reason all this crap is happening is because of her. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't get a chance to explain it's because she's been mentally hijacked or whatever. Right. And Speedy, of course gets all pissed off about that and just like starts going off on her there's the way that the actual words in the dialogue bubbles are written is there's like a little bit of cursive almost that i've never seen before in it and that's when it almost follows this like kind of like bold capitals oh yeah 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 and so if you read it the way that it's it's written it sounds like he's just like high or confused (laughs) and so i'm gonna attempt to do that (laughs) good good luck okay and you've got a gang of has-been heroes to help you out on this caper. Huh? What turned <laughs> you on to crime? Big boxer power. <laughs> so you think that, huh? Because it, it, it is, it, it's very striking that it's written in cursive. And it makes no sense. I wonder if that's the moment that Mr. Esper's power kicked in. Oh. And it's like, and, and he was able to finish his, <laughs> right. his diatribe after that. But right. The, okay. Yep. No, I think that's a good... But yeah, no, that, that that was pretty good. Um, another one of my favorites is, and it's in the running for my favorite panel, too. Hawk is backhanding the shit out of Beast Boy. And he says, nobody, close, nobody pushes my kid brother around. That's his last vote. And then backhand, and he says, I'm closing his polls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. I had one from that same series, too, which I had, had a, a term that I've never heard before. It's where Ganark is grabbing Speedy's hand. And he says, Ouch, you're going to break my hand. Let go, you Neanderthal nudnik. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the phrase nudnik. I think that's a Yiddish phrase. And I'm also used to it being perhaps bastardized into the phrase no goodnik, uh-huh. uh, which I like a lot also. But I don't know you if those are necessarily related. But mm, yeah. yeah, but I like it. Yeah. Guy doesn't wear nice. enough clothes. <laughs> yeah, he's a real nudnik. <laughs> also, his name is Nick. 
Yeah. <laughs> Go to Sobeys Island, Nick. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, come on, Nick. It won't be so weird. Right. There's a clothing optional area. Yeah. This is a uh, family dinner. <laughs> Go put your pants on. Please. 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 Oh, new Nick. <laughs> He's a good guy. He can't take him anywhere, though. Yeah, that's true. Except Sobeys Island. Yeah. There's a clothing optional area. Or other. Right. Other nude beaches, I yeah. suppose. Mm-hmm. That's the only one I know of. Yeah. I also really like a piece of Ganark dialogue. I mean, I kind of like it, but also it shows how far, he, how far he's fallen. Because he says, I'm going to knock you clear in the next week, crud brain. Yeah, I had. I really do like crud brain. But too. just for a little context, the last issue that, the, the last non-Rosakis issue that Ganark had appeared in, his dialogue sounded like this. Donna's right, Lilith. I did let her win, but my motive was not misplaced gallantry, rather the need within myself to shun total expression of bodily strength. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm gonna knock you clear in the next week, crud brain! I know. I, it's and it's a little bit jarring. Too, like, he's dressed like a, I think I had said last time, a UPS worker or something like that. Yeah. And, um... You know, no fancy no, UPS workers, but... No, but it, it's... It's it's different than a, a fancy suit with a wide tie. You yeah, know, it's he, not he, he, that man could fill out a wide tie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. True, though. Mm. He, he was just poured into that wide tie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any other dialogue? No, I'm good. All right, what was your favorite panel? Jeez, I'm going to need to look this up. Uh, the the first one, and I, I think my actual favorite of my three choices, is on page seven. And it's um, Aqualad summoning the school of whales. That is what he calls them. And uh, it's got a this, like, mesmer, mesmer um, what do you call it? Like, the spiral, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's doing his... Yeah. and he's like he's got this action pose and uh-huh. this, this psychic energy radiating out radiating out and it's uh, it's just very dynamic and cool and uh it's nice to see him doing something awesome instead of being like oh, yeah, i'm no good at things yeah so yeah there you go yeah I, I i enjoyed that too there were a couple as i said the hawk backhanding beast boy so ferociously Beast Boy is, like, bent over backwards from that backhand, too. Well, Hawk has super strength. Mm-hmm. And it's making the noise swat. <laughs> yes. I suspect my actual favorite, though, is Bumblebee doing a flip so that she can fire a stinger out of her butt at Golden Eagle. Uh, and it makes a very loud bazing! Yeah, that's actually my first choice, and, and all I wrote down was bazing! <laughs> that says plenty. Although, there is another choice in here. Which, it's this really dynamic panel of Ganark and Speedy just clobbering each other. Which, it's another one, much like when Joker's daughter fought Wonder Girl. Mm. Speedy should be dead from that punch. Mm-hmm. Like, Ganark is incredibly powerful. That has come up before. And Speedy's like a normal dude, too. Yeah, he's just he's a regular, not... unpowered dude. But, there's this really nice, really dynamic shot of them just like... I think simultaneously punching each other while they're trying to be held back by their respective teammates. It looks really cool. And also in the background, it looks like Aqualad and Bat-Girl are trying to stop Beast Boy from peeing on Duff. 
Oh my god. <laughs> it really does. I didn't it, it's, read it that way, but that's... Yeah, Beast Boy is just standing, uh, straddling a prone dove, and he is being restrained physically by Aqualad, and Batgirl is trying to drag him out of the way, but Dove is just like, oh shit, I, I, I did the wrong, I did a bad job. Yeah, not again. It really does, yeah. I interpreted that as it looks like Beast Boy is about to pee on Dove. That's pretty funny. And for his behavior in the last issue, I can't say he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, that that is in the running for my favorite panel, but I gotta go with Bazing. And I, I had a third choice, which is the group photo at the end. The group end. photo at the end. It's nice that there's a group photo at the end. A lot of the Titans look weird as shit in that. Like like we said, Ganark looks totally different. Bumblebee looks awful. Like, yeah. she just looks strung out. Her boobs are super weirdly drawn, too. There's a That's lot of That's true. There, you, weird... you had pointed out that there are a lot of very oddly drawn breasts in this issue. Yeah, I don't know if that's just... I Maybe just you know, me noticing it. I don't know if that's just you noticing it, or if maybe 70s boobs were different. Mm. No, I don't. Well, I mean... I, I think back then, just people had strangely shaped breasts. A lot of, lot of really hard, tight angles on them. Um, it was a confusing time, I guess. Yeah, it was a confusing time for America. Mm. Yeah, it's those weird seventies breasts. Mm. People had uh, longer butts then too. That's true. well, that was the pants. Oh, my bad. Yeah, that's true. It's probably just like seventies bras. I yeah, think. they probably it was probably like a that. distinctly, purposefully asymmetric brassiere was very popular back mm-hmm. then, especially in superhero communities. The characters' breasts aside, if, if we may, Corey, it's a weirdly drawn photograph because i want to like it more than i do because i love a good group shot and there's like 15 titans in it and i love that they include ganark because i feel like he gets left out way too much but it's a fairly poorly drawn group portrait i think and inconsistently drawn with how the rest of the issue is drawn yeah artwork aside i liked it yeah okay fair enough did you in fact choose a favorite titan this issue indeed i did difficult as it was indeed and uh, Wonder Girl, for me, took the cake because she started off basically by... Tying everybody up and telling them what to do? Yeah, basically like stealing Robin's thunder, which I get a kick out of. That is true. And then she, I think, also acquitted herself fairly well. She did. She proved herself to be a good leader. And mm-hmm. I understand that that is qualifying and that in many ways does make her the best Titan. But she did not fire anything out of her butt. That's, that's so not really heard. She does not there. win best Titan of the episode. That, in fact, although I, I will say also, Aqualad did a great job. He picked up Long Island with a group of his buddies yeah. and moved it back to where it normally was. Um, I do like Mr. Esper's plan, like his nonsensical mm. plan. It reminded me of playing Risk. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's going with the Australia gambit. Yeah, um, but also his understanding of things. Like, the way that global power works. and If I, you get recognized as a country, then you're at the table, and then you have government, and then you can take over any government. That's how government works, Corey. Oh, you're so naive. Oh. Uh, Corey. Hmm. Steel doesn't melt at that temperature. Wake up, Corey! <laughs> oh, shit, man. Okay, okay. I don't know. It seemed like a dicey plan. <laughs> no, it's a brilliant plan. Okay. It is the Australia gambit in risk. You start with a small island nation of Australia. Uh, I guess that's... We actually have a lot of Australian listeners now. 
Australia, I know you're not a small island nation. I think you're terrific. They're huge. You know who I like? Hmm. Yahoo Serious. Not just for young Einstein, which everyone recognizes as brilliant. Hmm. I also enjoyed Reckless Kelly. I am not familiar with the rest of his body of work. Oh, familiarize yourself with it. I shall. Australia, I think you're doing a great job. Maybe make with some more Yahoo Serious pictures, huh? I think he's Tasmanian, though. I don't know if that's different or if that's a region. Mm. Oh, boy, am I ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) I still think you're great, Australia. Keep on keeping on. Every one of your creatures could kill me. They have uh, very vicious spiders. I saw a show about them. Oh, yeah? How big are they? They're like like the size of like two Cadbury eggs. <laughs> you understand my, <laughs> my units of measurement perfectly, Corey. And uh, if you hit them with a broom, they get mad, and their fangs are powerful enough that they can penetrate a pair of boots. Jesus Christ! And their venom is strong enough to kill you. Don't hit them with a, don't hit them with a broom. No, just run the fuck away. And it, yeah. If you see oh. a spider that big, hmm. Hit them over the head with a dry <laughs> stick. Dry stick. Dry stick. A dry stick. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just piss it off. Oh, God. Huh. Terrifying. Platypuses also very dangerous. What? They have venomous spurs in their hind legs. Oh, that's gross. They got so much going on, man. That's an They're a mammal animal. that lays eggs, that has a duck bill, that has venomous spurs. Damn. Their hind legs. Hmm. Corey. Yeah. Venomous spurs. Yeah, I don't like it. Stop saying it. Thank you. One more? Fine. Venomous spurs! Ooh. In summation. Thank you so much for listening, Australia. Indeed. And I'm sorry that I don't understand the difference between Tasmania. But I do think that Yahoo Sirius was really funny. That's it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you about the Teen Titans. Uh, I really enjoyed the Rosakis run. So did you have a favorite issue of the Rosakis run so far? No. I can't think of one off the that top of the my head. That is the wrong answer, Corey. Uh, this one? No. What was your favorite issue, Hub? Corey. Hmm. Corey. Yes. Fucking Mal fights an Archangel. Archangel punches Mal in the dick and gives him a magical ram's horn. That was part of this one? Yeah. Oh, shit. I just assumed that was back to... That was the Bob Haney one. No. It was so... Oh, because that was the first one that we read of this run? Uh, second. There was the first one that was really bad. All right. Yeah, okay. And no, then... Yeah. Fair enough. That was fucking amazing. That was. Yeah. And I, I think it colored my expectations for the rest of the run, because I expected them all to be that good slash crazy slash weird. Mm. And they were good slash crazy slash weird, but didn't really reach that height but yeah lacked some of the narrative integrity of haney's work yes after that initial just glorious work mm, not, yes. not every day you see an angel get it, yeah, it's true it's it's tough it's got to be tough when people do their first greatest work early mm-hmm. and then have the rest of their oeuvre to try to live up to it, it peaked too soon yeah it, it's it's a shame there was that poet guy that wrote that really good poem and then later, people wanted his poems to be as good as that poem, but nobody liked them as much. Yeah. Remember that guy? Sure. Yeah. He wrote Beautiful Willamette. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. <laughs> we just have a couple left. We're in the home stretch of this original run, and then we're going to retool and be back and join you with some other shit. 
If you would like to contact us, please feel free to do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on our Tumblr blog at ttwasteland.tumblr.com. You can look us up on Facebook. Our stuff is on iTunes. If you want to leave us a review, that would be terrific. Uh, you can donate stuff to us on Patreon. We are now, thanks to Matthew Birdsay, on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a real treat. Indeed. I get to live another hour. Hooray! <laughs> Bye. And they know it. The penguin in The Cuckoo Cuckoos. Fly, you, my cuckoos, fly! With my umbrella directing to rob and pillage, peck and annoy, we'll soon have them all cuckoo. Then I'll take over the whole city. Quank, quank, quank. Cuckoo! Well, penguin, I guess we'll feather our nests after this. We? What we? The penguin is never a we. It is I who am the mastermind, not you, bird brain. Quank, quank. Ergo, it is I who shall profit most handsomely from this caper. If you think you're on the same plane as me, you must be a cuckoo cuckoo. There's gotta be a way to stop these vultures. I know. Hey, you boys. Look, delicious hostess fruit pies. No, no, not real tender filling. Tender light crust. Luscious apple and cherry. My clocks are not that cuckoo that they'd pass up delicious hostess fruit pies. Wang, wang. That's right. They'd even desert you, Penguin, for law, order, apple, and cherry. We're crazy about hostess fruit pies. Long live apple and cherry. Okay, Penguin, we'll see you waddle off to jail. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. You get a big delight in every bite of hostess fruit pies. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> Not our finest work. Ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so his job was to hit bears over the head with a dry stick. Ah, uh, um, good idea. Yeah. So hitting a bear over the head with a dry stick, I agree. No. So opening a delicious beverage. That's true. So I think the idea was when bears came onto the campsite, they were supposed to like protocol is you're supposed to call animal control services. They would come out, they would tag one of the bear's ears. As a punishment? Um, kind of, and to mark him so that, uh, here's the thing. Mm. If the bear comes back again, then they mark his other ear. Oh. So, and then if he comes back then again, then they bear. have him, yeah, then that marks him as a nuisance bear. If a bear with two earrings comes in, then yeah. they know he's trouble, and they they kill him. Jesus. And so... He, this guy was telling me, he's like, yeah, we didn't want to do that. Um, because, like, we were holding, we were at a campsite that had a bunch of little kids, so, like, you tell them to put their food away, but they don't always do it, so they leave peanut butter and shit out. Bear's gonna fucking show up, because bears aren't stupid, they love peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it. yeah, it's a problem bear, but it's not really the bear's fault. Mm-hmm. So, his job was, instead of calling animal control, we would hit the bear over the head with a dry stick... And wait, wait, wait! How did they learn that using a wet stick was inappropriate? <laughs> Just intuition, trial man. and error. Or... I, I don't know. 
I, I feel like maybe they like maybe they killed a bear. <laughs> like maybe they hit a bear too like, hard. You guys are such just like fuck you. <laughs> like they want the bear to be like hurt and confused, but not like really hurt. Hmm. Uh, just to be surprised and run away. And okay. I think like maybe if it was like, um, like a green stick, mm-hmm. then the bear would be like fuck. And, like, would maybe feel more threatened and less surprised. Because part of it is... Even. Yeah. Because mm. part of it is you want it, the stick to break so that the bear feels like there was more of an impact. Sure. It's kind of like uh, like using breakaway glass. Like, bears aren't good at... Mo- like, bears haven't seen a lot of movies. Right. So they don't know the stuntman tricks. Yeah. And so, like, by the time the bear figures out, like, oh, that was sugar glass, mm-hmm. then he's already run away. It's too late. Yeah. yeah. Or breakaway pants. Yeah. Oh no, bears bear don't just be like Jesus. That guy just like, pulled his legs off. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm Dude, if here. that bear had seen our dance routine, he would have flipped the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. No more nuisance bears in our dance party. <sighs> that's what they should have done, huh? They should have just done nothing our breakaway pants dance routine. Dude, no way. If I'm around a nuisance potential nuisance bear or really any bear, the last thing I'm going to do is a dance routine. Corey! I'm gonna get the fuck out the of there. It's the bear's last chance. I don't want to get mauled. I don't want to get mauled either, but... What if you screw up, man? Dude, remember that's the always first, the danger. The first time when... I can't remember now if it's you grab them by the top or by the bottom to rip them apart. The I grabbed pants. the breakaway pants the wrong way and I hurt my dick. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care for that. Yeah. Well, just imagine a bear being there. That's why they bring in professionals. Us. Like, this is an amateur. We're practiced. We've learned you know? the lessons. It's, we have to out-party the bear. Okay, well, we can do that. Okay, so back up to here. We have to confuse and out-party the bear. Okay. All right. Here's to... It's not going to sound Second great. careers. Huh? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Remember, we tried clinking cans. It's yeah. not as good. So, All right. right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Oh, shit. So? Yes. What'd you think? Oh, shit. Sorry. Introduce me, man. Fine. They're not going to know who I am. <laughs> They'll figure it out from context. Okay. All right. 